Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as usual, is my associate editor and co host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. Lashana Tova. That means Happy New Year, in case you were wondering. Oh, okay. I mean, I'd heard that before, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I knew that that was what that meant exactly. Okay. I'm very, I'm very not knowledgeable about faiths outside of my own, and oftentimes not very knowledgeable about my faith. The, uh, the, the bar is so low. The fact that you know that there is a holiday in September is kind of the bar. <laughs> so you know the fact that you, you, you cross the bar, you're fine. Points for the minimum amount of effort. Right? Is this what it feels like to be a corporate white male in charge of television networks? I don't know. <laughs> I'm really tired of the strike, you guys, is what I'm saying. Pay the people who make your content, stop whining about it, and just do it because it's the right thing to do. Right. Solidarity. Um, so, uh, oh, also, we, we have a special guest joining our show today. Uh, it's not any of our writers or anything. It's my cat, Bakerloo, who has decided that right now is when he would like to take a nap by my chair. So if there are any strange noises, it's probably he woke up and realized this was happening and has some thoughts on that opinions. i don't think you'll have any opinions about this show there's no cats in it well, so. that's true um shall, shall we uh shall we discuss what we are di- what are we discussing today i'm so tired shall we discuss what what we're discussing <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're doing great we're really doing great today guys um i don't know what it is but uh what we're going to talk about today is this is a little weird it's our first uh paramount plus program they are finally airing some British stuff because they just are. And it is the true crime period drama called The Gold. And, um, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, Par- up until now, Paramount Plus and Disney Plus have basically been the two American streamers, at least here in the States. You know, which it makes sense for Disney because Disney is an American company. I mean, even like, you know, Disneyland Paris and Disneyland Tokyo are basically the exportation of American culture to other places. Whereas Paramount, you know, it's actually an international company. Um, It owns Channel 5. It co-produces All Creatures Great and Small. Like, I don't understand why it has lent so heavily on American productions until last year when it suddenly sort of woke up to the fact that a streaming service cannot live on Yellowstone and Star Trek alone. And so uh, it commissioned, it, it set out to commission 50 international productions by the end of 2022, which it succeeded. And the first one to make it to American Shores, this is not the first one they commissioned for the record, but the first one that made it to American Shores is the co-production with the BBC called The Gold. Yeah, I don't even know if all of them are even coming on Paramount Plus because I'm pretty sure The Ex-Wife is a Paramount Plus production, but it's on BritBox. So, yeah, I don't know. We don't we don't understand any of this better than y'all sometimes. It makes very little sense. Um, I will say that Paramount Plus does is one of Paramount in general is one of those places that doesn't know left hand and right hand don't know what they're doing. I mean, they launched Paramount Plus right after they gay right after their 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 other arm had basically leased like all of the Paramount movie hits of the year to Amazon. So, yeah, there's just there's a lot of like not real clear exactly who's in charge and what they're trying to do here. 
but the gold is on Paramount Plus. And honestly, Ooh. like, you guys, <laughs> you need to get over to Paramount Plus and just freaking watch this show. Oh, we're going to very much disagree on the show, I think. Oh, really? Because I loved it. I was incredibly bored. Wow. All the way right up until the very end of the second episode when they started doing what they should have been doing like a lot more of is explanatory montages. I, I was really bored. And I am really upset about this because it's like very in my Venn diagram mm-hmm. of I love true crime. Mm-hmm. I love like 80% of the actors in this. Yes. But I just like it felt like homework and homework that I didn't really get the reading for. Oh. I wish it had. Oh, I'll come back. I'll come back to this statement in more detail later. But I wish it had started earlier in the story than it did. That's fascinating because one of the reasons I liked it is because it doesn't start earlier in the story than it does. Um, Tell the people what the show is. Okay. Nobody's watched this but us. It's on Paramount Plus. This is very, very true. Um, so the gold is about the 1983 Brinks Matt heist, which is a real robbery that happened. Um in the UK, in London's Heathrow Airport. Six small-time criminals broke into a small warehouse um, using basically one of the security guards was like the relative of one of the, the, the robbers. And basically they got him to basically tell him tell them that there was going to be a million in Spanish uh, currency. This is pre-euro. So, um, so they went in thinking they were going to pick up uh, a million in Spanish currency. Which I also want to be clear here: this is a small-time job that these guys were doing. Like Spanish currency. I don't. I don't know if any if if any of our listeners were ever went to the you know the went to Europe before the euro. But like, I remember being in Italy before the conversion, and like it was something like. A thousand lira was ten bucks, for in, and 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 like it was like a hundred in uh, uh, and a hundred Spanish note was was like a dollar, like these were very very low worth, and so you know the pound was worth about two was worth about two dollars. So this is about four four forty five hundred in. British pounds, about $9,000 all told, that these guys were basically doing an armed robbery for. They showed up and they couldn't get into the vault, but that didn't matter because sitting just outside the vault, because it didn't fit inside the vault, was 26 million billion in gold bars. Um, 26 million in gold bars, which is like, it's definitely not billion. Yeah. Which is equivalent (laughs) to like nine. I I did the math for my review and it was like uh, worth like, it's worth like 93, 93 million in today's money. And basically these guys, you know, they're, they're not very, what's the line from all the president's men? These were not very bright guys and things just kind of got out of hand. (laughs) Um, they basically were like, well, let's just do it and be legends without taking even a second to think about the fact that unlike, you know, Spanish, you know, currency, this is, this is, this is practically pre-computers. They could get on a ferry, go to Calais from Dover, go to a, a money exchange, exchange the Spanish money for francs, come back and then exchange the francs for pounds and have basically laundered the money like that. And, and, and. You can't do that with gold bars. 
Like you, you, you this is not. I mean, it's kind of amazing when you think about literal, like just like sticks of gold mm-hmm. are a thing that sit in boxes somewhere. Yes, that are know. actually the money that are behind our currency. This is what governments have hidden away that makes our money valuable. And these guys stole a bunch of it without thinking about the fact that it was basically un un. They had no way of turning it into money. They they had no these guys were working class schmoes who had no connections, had no clue. And basically they got taken advantage of um by people who actually did have connections and money. I don't really know that we can say that thieves are being taken advantage of. You get what you get, guys. <laughs> but honestly, like that is kind of what happened. Place your bets takes your place your bets takes your chances. Sorry. I mean, these guys, okay, first of all, when you say this should have started before the crime, the problem with that, you know, true crime stories usually do start before the crime so that you can get into the heads of the criminals. Well, it's true. The crime, the crime did change on them, sort of, because they didn't know what was there. I think more what I mean is, or maybe it's just because I feel, I feel like they didn't tell me a lot of the things I needed to know until well into the second episode when mm. they'd already like lost my attention span on this. Mm. They are not clear. Number one, please, God, somebody put subtitles on screeners. I have no idea what any of these people's names are. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I'm bad about that, like generally, but like this was impossible. It's just a bunch of white dudes with British names and 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 thick accents, thick working class accents. And but I, I don't feel like they told me all the things I needed to know. Like they did not. I didn't understand what's happening for half the first episode because I don't know how to launder gold. So well, that's the thing is neither did they. <laughs> well, yes, but if that is the point of the story, I don't know how to launder gold. So I don't know that they don't. Like the bit at the end where the guy is explaining about how you, you know, you mix it with people's cheap gold jewelry, you like do all this other stuff like that. Like then I could see like the vision, if you will, of like what they were trying to do. But they spent an episode and a half of these dudes just like arguing with each other and carrying satchels of money around. I was like so lost and bored. That's really fascinating because, okay, for me, the fact I was most interested Mm -hmm. when it wasn't even about the gold, it was about and to be honest, I'm not even sure how these two things connect. I may have just missed it. But I, the class issues of this are really interesting to me mm. in terms of the way that that both in, both in the circle of the cops who are chasing the criminals and the criminals themselves feel about people who own gold. I mean, that's all very interesting. I wonder if I don't... I wonder if I don't... I'm like thinking this out loud right now. Maybe for me, it would have been a little clearer if we had followed one side or the other. But trying to do both at the same time is just like too much for me. Mm. The show, like, it's just, it feels like a test and I'm failing it. Ah, okay. Well, okay. First of all, the class thing is sort, is really important. Um, because one of the things that the show tries to make clear and I guess didn't read to you, but did to me is that these thieves who went in there, uh, uh, Mickey McAvoy is one of them and Brian Richardson is the other. Um, 
these guys were known to the cops. Uh, DCI Brian Boyce, who's played by Hugh Bonneville, um, is ba- basically knows these guys by name. He knows every single one of their associates and every single one of their rivals. There is an entire underclass of small-time petty thieves that are basically doing these sorts of small-time, easy-to-launder knockoff jobs throughout London from about the late 1970s through about 1985. And the reason for that is because there was a massive depression going on in the UK. In in America, it was more of a recession and there was the oil crisis and whatnot. But in the UK, it was a much, much harder drop. And Thatcherism made it worse. And then by 1983, this was sort of like the, 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 the lowest ebb of the economy at that time. So this is this is this is a, a, a an entire way of life that has basically been produced because of the class system and because these guys can't break out of it. Uh, Nikki Jennings, who's played by Charlotte Spencer, is supposed to be sort of the one who has kind of broken out of it by becoming a cop herself and basically turning her back on her own people. And she's sort of treated as a as a as a, an, a, a persona non grata. Because of this, because she's on now the wrong side. Um, meanwhile, the 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 next rung up that Mickey McAvoy and Robinson take these uh take these gold bars to are these guys Kenneth Noy and John Palmer, and they are basically gold goldsmiths, gold movers. They melt. They know how to melt down gold and how to basically get it laundered properly. And they have been doing this quietly with the and and made tons of money. Like they have huge estates. Their wives are dressed to the nines. They own horses and gorgeous cars. And they feel so angry at the people who they have reached that they are that they are basically clawing their way up to they they hate the upper classes that they've basically life whose lifestyles they have basically like fought their way up to do and part of the reason why they sort of do this gold job isn't because they are like because they, they need the money i mean they've made it it's more to prove that they can and to sort of stick it to the man in a way and i found that to be a fascinating dynamic um, the problem is, is, of course, they are not actually upper class people. They've just bought their way into the upper class system. They need a real upper class person to sort of digitize the money in a way that is impossible for the working class or even the middle class. And that's where Edwin Cooper, who's played by Dominic Cooper, comes in. And he is kind of the star of the show in a way. Um, he is the lawyer that they hire to sort of launder this stuff through the Swiss banking system. He also is from the streets. He basically made his bones uh, protecting crooked cops from the law, from their own. Um, and if he's it, from the streets. He's not really upper class, though. No, he's not really he upper just class. He dresses better. No, he married into money. His third wife is actually and truly upper class, which we see when he goes. Yeah, but he's not. But he is not. But the connections that he's gotten through his wife and the acceptance he's gotten now having an actual lord as a father-in-law is what gets him in the door at these Swiss banks. And there's a level where there's a level where this had to be where the gold focused because, and this is to me the most amazing part of the story of the six people who pulled off that, who pulled off the heist, four of them were never caught. Nobody knows who those other four guys are. 
the reason that they're never named, the reason that they have no faces is because nobody knows who they are. The only two they ever knew were McAvoy and Robinson and because they were known to the cops. And that is so that's why when you say this should have started earlier, like my first my first response is a it couldn't have because they didn't know who the, they still to this day don't know who those people are. I don't I think what it is is uh, this feels and I'm going to say something that sounds like an insult, but then I'll explain why I don't really mean it as an insult. Mm-hmm. This reminds me a lot of like a Brit box true crime drama mm. um, because it's very I, and I think this is on me mm-hmm. for having incorrect assumptions about what this show was going to be and do Mm -hmm. based on its cast, based on its streaming home, based on a lot of other things that I just sort of decided for myself that this is what that show is going to look like because Breitbox true crime dramas, you know what you're getting. Like they're very straightforward. They're very workmanlike. They're very like, here's A, B, C, D thing that happened. They're like reenactments, but with fake people. Yes. Or reenactments, but with like high class performers, I should say. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not like on cops or whatever. Yeah. You know exactly. And that is what the show is. There is nothing in this show, at least in the first two episodes, that has hooked me as a drama. Do you know what I mean? Like none of these characters are particularly deep to me. Almost none of them have any interiority to speak of. I don't know that any of them are going on any kind of like emotional journey in the story maybe charlotte spencer's character and it just feels like it feels like i wanted something else from this show than the show they made wanted to do Hmm. because this just does not like nothing about this screams prestige drama to me this is like a this is a and I keep saying Britbox true crime drama, but I don't mean that as an insult. Like those are very well done. Like I really liked the um the barking murders and I really liked the Pembershire mur- murders and you know, like you really like you know what to expect going into that. And it's really just like, here, let's tell you this story you haven't heard before, but use like Luke Evans to do it. Mm. And that is what this show is doing, and I didn't want that. Um I, I can sort of see that. Um, and I do think that there's definitely parts that were not well explained that I would that I'm sort of hoping that episodes three through six are much better at explaining. Um, one of which is the whole like condos on the south on the south side London docks that 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 get built. Um the south side of London at that time was a rundown, basically, like, place for squatters lived. And I mean, aren't they basically just building Canary Wharf? They're kind of building the wharf like we have in D.C. Um, and they're basically... No, I mean, like, Canary Wharf. Yes, they like are. The actual yes, they are actually, yes, they are actually building the neighborhood of Canary Wharf. The neighborhood of Canary Wharf exists because that's how these... How uh, Cooper laundered his share of the money. Like I guess that's great, but like I like I guess that's a cool historical fact. But for me, and as a person watching the show, like I have no idea. Like, how does he feel about that? Does he have feelings about that? Does he? I I know nothing about that character beyond the fact that Dominic Cooper is very attractive, and has some nice suits. <laughs> Props to the fashion team. Um, I you know I don't know. Um, I do think that it was very smart of them to give us the first two episodes at once, though, especially since the the, the only the only I perked up at the end of the second episode because (laughs) 
it actually felt like maybe they were going to tell me WTF was happening. Um, but well, no, because that's actually when it sort of becomes a a a a more traditional true crime series. Um, I have I've 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 watched a little bit onward, not much. Um, I'm recapping and I reviewed it. As as you all know, I don't watch anything until after I podcast about it, and I'm pretty sure I finished the second episode about 20 minutes ago. So. <laughs> um, so uh, um, it it the thing about episode three is that it really started to feel like a more traditional true crime show. But what I really loved about it is that the first two episodes didn't feel like that to me. I mean, they didn't feel like that to me either, but clearly like we've had very different reactions to this because I just felt like this is what even is this? Like, I can't tell you what makes any of those men different from one another. Other than one of them has really greasy hair <laughs> and the other one has like fluffier hair. Um, Jack Loudon does truly have truly a journey that they're on emotionally. I'm glad that he's now approached the level of financial success that he can buy good product. <laughs> um, okay, so it's Jack Loudon who plays the fluffy-haired one. That's Kenneth Noy. And Tom Cullen who plays John Palmer, the greasy one. Um, just in case you were wondering. It's unfortunate. He was really hot in Becoming Elizabeth. This is a step down. <laughs> um, what I found more fascinating because I was sort of expecting them to focus more on the crime itself was how quickly they dispatched the two guys who actually committed the crime. Uh, McAvoy is basic. McAvoy and Brian were basically sent directly to prison. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 for 25 years. And that was that. And like that happens like before the end of the first episode, practically. And that's by that's because true crime is supposed to focus on the crime. It really surprised me that that these guys were basically treated like you know the working class stiffs that they were you don't you don't watch a lot of true crime i guess i don't there's um, plenty of true crime that isn't about the thing that they did but the people that did it or what happened to, or a lot of the best true crime actually and a real like positive step forward of the genre i think mm -hmm. is the one that really fo the, the version of these stories that really focuses on the people who were harmed by the thing instead <sighs> of the person that did it or, or how they did it or whatever. Like, there's a, a wide variety. Well, I think that's also very fascinating because, you know, one of the things I think about this crime is that the people who were harmed, there weren't any. You know, they didn't kill anybody. They brandished some guns. They did pour some gasoline on one of the two guys who couldn't figure out how to open the, the vault. But then they got distracted from the vault. They never lived in one fire, so he's fine. Um... They punched you know, a dude. I don't think stealing $26 million is a victimless crime. <laughs> well, no, it's not a victimless crime, but it's it's more that what they did is they stole that money from basically the state, from the banks. Yeah, but the downshot of that, not to be, this is, I'm about to say some stuff that's going to make me sound like a lot more pro, like the banking system than no, I no, actually no, no, am. No, no, But... But like I, I mean, those are the things that keep like the global economy turning. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. I one hundred percent agree with you there, and which ends up harming a lot more people and a lot more people on the lower end of the economic spectrum than is perhaps immediately evident. And I think that's really hard for them to sort of dramatize, though, because one of the things that the show really is attacking is the class system that created this world. And the thing that, that they're angry at is that 
is that Noy and Palmer basically bought their way into the upper classes. And even though the upper classes don't accept them because of their accents, because of their background, because of their attitude, they are in a way protected in a in a sense that 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 Boyce and Jennings and Brightwell is the third uh, cop in the group played by Eamon Elliot. Um, and I was like, "LOL, no idea who that is." Um, yes, you do. Um, he, I mean, I, I probably if you were like, "Oh, it's Eamon Elliot," I would know who that is. But I could, you could have held a gun to my head and been like, "What is Eamon Elliot's character's name?" And I would have just had to been like, "Guess I'll die." Well, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, basically. These guys, part of the reason why, A, the gold gets away from them. The gold is stolen before the cops get to it after McAvoy tells them where it is. Uh, Noy and Palmer pull it out of the the uh, storage place where it's being held and drive it away and start basically processing the heck out of it. Um, I mean, not to give people like criminal tips or whatever, but why would you put your like truckload worth of gold bars together in a single storage space? Like, think because they weren't expecting. Well, I mean, that's sort of the thing, isn't it? They didn't. They were so unprepared. Well, I'm just saying, like, that's a nor. That's a duh. Yes, I, absolutely. But it, it, one of the things about this story also that I find fascinating isn't just that four of these people were never found or caught or identified. It's that none of the gold was ever found. All of it disappeared every single last dime. And so the what the cops ended up doing was, you know, follow again to quote uh, uh, all pre- all the president's men follow the money. They were like, okay, so basically McAvoy and and his and his working class group lost this money. It was basically stolen from them, you know. honor among thieves and all that so now we're going to track the next level up and see if we can't break through this class system to take some of these guys down and in the end i do believe that noi got some kind of criminal sentence um and cooper did too though i'm not actually sure but neither of them got all that much and palmer got off completely as as i as if i recall reading wikipedia properly um that being said all of these actors in this show this is like an a-list murderers row and i've and it is though and maybe that's why i expected it to be more of like an actual drama drama as opposed to like a retelling because how do you have this cast and give them all so little to do like just in terms of like emotionally or anything like i um, I I can see where yeah no because Elliot and and uh, so uh, uh, Elliot and Spencer basically they're part of this team the 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 Flying Squadron which is I I, I was very confused why they're called the Flying Squadron because apparently they they go hunt down criminals um, and why are you flying I don't understand you're not in a plane um, but they basically get this case taken away from them. By Scotland Yard, which then gives it to Brian Boyce, and they are sort of desperate to basically use this to get ahead, to get out of the London world that they're stuck in and up and up the chain into actual Scotland Yard, um, which they managed to do. Um, I honestly thought that was one of my fa- that was actually one of my more favorite scenes was the one where the two of them are basically. Uh, uh, drilling down on that guard and they can't 
they kind of can't break him. And then Bonneville sort of leans forward and is like, I can't stand people like you. People like you are why I hate the fact that I became a cop. And like 100% like disarms this guy and completely like takes him apart and figures out like all of, and figures out like everything. Um, I loved that. And maybe that's sort of what I would, I wasn't, I think that's the thing is I don't expect true crime shows to have super emotional arcs. I think that's where the two of us are differing. I expect scenes like that one where a cop does something incredibly smart and clever and in real life, not Sherlock Holmes style, but real life takes apart a small time idiot who got his face punched as an alibi like that's what i that was the kind of scene i was expecting and i got a plus versions of that scene and i think maybe that's because for me it's always about like the mystery and the police procedural and so for me that was really some it feels to me like this is a very excellent police procedural I mean, maybe pieces of it are. Uh, no, I think that's it, though. I think that's what I've really glommed onto and what I really like about it is that the scene, because all of my favorite scenes are with Bonneville and Spencer and Elliot. I'm not going to lie. Like, honestly, like the I, I, I know that I'm supposed to sort of feel bad for Cooper that he feels sort of. Are you? I'd, I think I'm, I'm that Thor gift. When he goes home to his huge mansion and he's basically sneered at by his wife's family. Like, I think I'm supposed to feel bad for him. Mm. I don't. <laughs> um, I think I'm supposed to be rooting for Noy and Palmer. I'm not. Um, I am sort of fascinated by the, 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 the Gordon Perry character who is building Canary Wharf, um, who is played by Sean Harris, um, and like won't even wear a jacket to a club, which I thought was hysterically funny. Um, but there is so much about this, there, those things to me are sort of secondary. What I love is the cops. So I guess that's that's part of why this show is really doing it for me in a way that it might not be for you, because I'm basically, to me, looking at a police procedural that stars Hugh Bonneville and Charlotte Spencer and Eamon Elliott, which I mean, I think they're great actors. I don't I don't think that anything I don't think anything incredibly taxing is being asked of them thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they are such good actors that they make characters that i would consider to be somewhat thin feel more multifaceted than they perhaps are um i don't know i think i just wanted something different than the show turned out to be is my problem because i just like oh i don't know like i said i I am too i was really pumped for this and and honestly like there's so there's so few shows that like see that on paper cross both of us you know, like there's so many shows where it's like I'm forcing you to watch a police procedural or you're making me watch a drama. And 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 like, I don't know. I I think, I, I think part of my problem is what I just said is that every character. Because for all that this is a true story, these are still characters on a show. This isn't like a you know, it's not one of those Netflix documentaries where they like fake reenact a crime like this is supposed to be a drama. But all of these characters are so thin that I don't and I don't know if it's because there's too many of them or because they just haven't done the greatest job like laying out the story 
or what, but it all just feels very sloppy in a way. I don't know. I'm really disappointed. I was really looking forward to this and maybe it'll, maybe, maybe I'm over the hump now. I did perk up at the end of the second episode. I thought once, once we got into the actual, like, here is how we're, because that's what I think stories like this need where there's these, these just long stretches of, of technical criminal things that like normal people, why would we know this? Why would we care? Like the Ocean's Eleven vibe, which does the sort of zippy montage explain it thing where then suddenly you feel like you're in on the story instead of watching something that you have no idea what happened because American audiences don't even know this crime happened, let alone how they did or did not catch anybody. I actually wanted to ask you that. Um, I got distracted because I was so startled that you didn't like it. But um, I was actually wondering, as you are a true crime aficionado, had you did you know about this crime at all no, beforehand? I did not. That's really fascinating. I tend, to, I tend to I tend to gravitate a little bit more toward murder. Oh, uh, okay. Um. Uh, but no, I had not. I had not heard of this. I actually, I this is that's really surprising to me because also I also knew about this story, not to not in any real detail, but I do remember my dad telling me about it when it happened and trying to explain to me what the Brinks Matt heist was that was being that was on the news. And honestly, like I was too young to really understand. And it just meant that for many, many, many years beyond when I probably should have, I thought that those Brinks Matt trucks you see driving around were filled with gold bars. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I did not I did not know anything about it. And therefore I feel like I feel like a lot of Americans are probably like me. Mm-hmm. Who, had, who didn't know anything about this. So coming into it, assuming that everybody's familiar with it. I mean, it's a British show, so probably that's very different since mm. it's coming to a country that is unfamiliar with it. But like, I don't know. I, huh. I keep picking at it, trying to like, trying to figure out what it is about this that just does not work for me. But like, it just doesn't. And I'm really upset about it. <laughs> I, I also wonder, um, you you know who wrote this is Neil Forsyth who wrote Guilt. Well, I mean, I I honestly for me well, this the was other, the other thing is the mm-hmm. other thing is outside of like the thin characters is that the show tries so hard not to have a POV mm. that I don't know what to do with it. Like I don't know how I'm supposed to be responding to this show because I don't know how the show is responding to itself. Like mm. there's no. You know what? And you could pick either side. I'm not even saying you have to pick the cops or you have to pick the criminals, but there's no like perspective here that is meant to be either a a way in for me who doesn't know anything about this or b a sort of guiding light as to how I'm supposed to feel about any of the events on the show. Like Mm -hmm. things just keep happening, but I don't really connect with any characters on either side. So it's like that happened. Okay. Okay. And whereas I really did sort of connect with Charlotte Spencer's character from the top. Um, I mean, I really like her, so I, I am inclined to pay more attention when her character is on the screen, but that's because I like Charlotte Spencer. It's not because I like that character. Okay, whereas I actually did sort of connect with Nikki Jennings from the beginning. I felt really bad for her that, like, the fact that she is, like, a woman in a male world trying to sort of make it and that this is, you know, that that, that her dad is literally one of these guys that, that Boyce has picked up over and over again and and is and is 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 part and that she's basically like sort of like separated herself from her family in order to try to pull herself up by her bootstraps i guess to use that terrible phrase i I guess but i don't actually see like a ton of that reflected in her behavior okay well to me i i really glommed onto her 
Um, so I think that also really helped me. Um, I'm also a little, I, I guess I just sort of thought because I knew about this that I just sort of assumed it was better known than it was because I am, I am the last person who knows anything about true crime. Um, I really, it's not my, I know sh- a lot about murder. I that mean, that sounds admi- really bad. Admi- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think also that, um, just for the record is, why I like this because there is no murder. I mean, some of the best murder ones don't actually show you the murders, so it's not as bad as it could be. Okay. Um, but I think that's also another reason why I'm really attracted to it in a way that I'm not in most true crime. I mean, they're situations. super disturbing. Like, Rillington Place doesn't really show you that guy, whatever his name was, killing a bunch of people and burying them in his garden, but it's just the story of it is disturbing. Hmm. David Tennant played Des Nielsen and they still don't know how many people Des Nielsen killed and buried in various parts of his home. Jesus. Um, yeah, see that to me like that, I flinch. I don't want to know about that. That That's upsetting to me. Whereas, you David know. Tennant's really good in that show though. That's my pitch that you should watch Des. It's on AMC Plus, I think. It was a Sundance Now show when it came here. He's great in it. Um, I wonder then if this is not going to be what Paramount Plus needs. I kind of, like my initial gut reaction to it was, oh, this is not the right pick. Really? Because, okay. Because I think that people think, I, I think, and I mean, granted, this is probably just me saying this because it happens to be what I think. Therefore, everyone should agree with me. <laughs> but I, I do feel like people are going to think that this is going to be something a little more actiony and a little more Downton Abbey. Dr- uh, no, not even, but just more dramatic. Hmm. Like, there's not, like I said, there's not really, like, I can't tell you what the show's POV is mm-hmm. other than we're going to recreate the story that happened. And I don't know if you want people to watch something, you got to give them like a hook. Hmm. What is the hook? Um, yeah, I um, Cause you know, I have to say, and this is, this is me just uh, being a streaming nerd. I'm actually very worried about Paramount plus um, Paramount plus and Peacock to me are the two other than AMC Plus and Acorn, which their whole little niche thing is 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 clearly in massive amounts of trouble and has been for months. But Paramount Plus and Peacock are both not far behind. And Paramount Plus especially um, basically only still exists because the Redstones don't want to get rid of it. And the moment that 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 the collapse of the smaller streaming services starts to really sort of happen. Because that's what's going to happen here. We're at sort of, um, I, I believe uh, uh, John Langraff called this the midpoint of the streaming revolution. And that basically we've gotten to this point and now it's down and we, we've, we've crested the coaster and we're on our way downhill. And going downhill means that this is now going to be when things start to collapse into each other. And, play, you know, serious streaming services aren't going to make it. And I'm very worried for Paramount Plus. And I don't want to see it go because I love Star Trek so much. I am more bullish on Paramount Plus than I think you are. Okay, that's good. I think they just have they. I maybe I spend more time on Paramount Plus pe- than most people because of the Star Trek effect, and also because I watch Big Brother. Um, but their library is ridiculous. Well, so is Max's, and nobody seems to know that, which bothers the heck out of me. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put Max and Paramount Plus on a different level. 
really because mm-hmm. honestly like just audience wise max is so much has so like uh, 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 max uh, is literally canceling like everything it has an entire magnitude more subscribers than paramount plus the only thing that has more subscribers than max are netflix and disney well where paramount plus is i'm making the fa- i'm making the face where a lot of that is, I think, residual HBO goodwill. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I don't know that that has anything to do with Max as an idea. <laughs> but I, I just, I, I, and that makes me feel Actually, better. I think you... we get it for free with our cable subscription now that I think about it. What? Paramount Plus? No, um, HBO Max. Yes, yes. Whatever. So do I. Um, it's 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 one of the only ones where I don't actually use the subscription that I could get through my work because I have it already because we get it with our cable. But that's neither here nor there. Um, honestly, that makes me feel a little better to hear you say that because I, don't know. I just I don't I don't know like between Star Trek and the seventeen Yellowstone spinoffs. I mean, some of their other original things have have been kind of meh. Like, I thought Lioness was fine, but it certainly isn't anything that I think people that should go watch. Uh, I just like Nicole Kidman being authoritative. Authoritative. Yes, Uh, her Um, and Thandaway Newton are fantastic in that show. uh, It's Zoe Saldana, actually. Zoe, is it? I am. It is. We watched the whole thing. (sighs) Thandaway Newton is Westworld. Oh, I am. I'm an idiot. I'm so Which we sorry. also miss, R.I.P. Oh my god. Um I anyway, I have to say that like I have been very worried about Paramount Plus for a while now, basically since it launched. I've always felt that it's sort of a second tier. And so when when it was first and I and I couldn't understand because I know it because and this is a thing that I know most people don't know is that it owns Channel 5. I couldn't figure out where the British content was because it didn't make any sense to me that all Channel 5 stuff wasn't just being funneled funneled into it for us to watch. Because if you've got the British content, bring it, right? And so, oh, what's like, even on Channel Five, or do you mean Channel Four? No, Channel Five. Channel Five. The Channel Four is there's also Channel Five. Channel Five makes all creatures great and small. It has a few others um, that that are that are pretty big that my brain was not coming up with right now. But no, Channel Five is a real thing. Oh, okay. Um. Anyway, point being, I have been very worried about Paramount Plus, and I have been. I mean, ever I don't know. Maybe it should be. Like, I just don't. I just don't. Like that one's not flashing red lights to me yet. Ever since they announced that they were doing this, you know, international thing where they were greenlighting 50 international titles and that they were basically going to launch it with the gold. I have been very bullish on this as a really great sign of things to come. I, that wish, we had- I wish they'd picked a couple of shows instead of just one. Like, I wish they'd picked like two very different shows. Like they picked the gold and they picked Sexy I don't Beast. Know, Sexy Beast is the next one to come, which is also... I was going to say, like, Flat Share, which probably won't even go to Paramount at this at this point, but, like, just something like something else, like the Burning Girls, some, mm. something else that's not the gold. Right. I mean, because I'm sure there are plenty of people who are going to enjoy it for what it is and who maybe did not have incorrect expectations the way that I did, but I also don't think... This is not going to be the banner buzz show they want. That they need. It's not just that they want. It's also that I feel like they need. Um, and I don't think Sexy Beast is the other one where they've announced it's coming in 2023. And I don't think that I'm one. I'm sorry. I just keep thinking of that Netflix show where they made people go on dates dressed in animal heads. And that the fact of the matter is, is that most people don't remember Sexy Beast from, 20, from 2000, 1999. 
I mean, just an FYI, it's not the Netflix show where people go on dates in animal heads. No, it's not. It's a prequel to the hit movie from 25 years ago. Oh, no. This sounds like when Showtime decided to make American Gigolo the show, and it was literally like one of the worst things I've ever seen. I'm real worried about it. And I don't think that this is a good sign. And yes, there are things like there's comedies like Flatshare. There's A Gentleman in Moscow, which is going to start Kenneth Branagh, who is a... Uh, I think it's Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor? No, Kenneth Branagh's directing it. I knew I knew Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh is like involved in it. I'm just full of this knowledge today. Uh, and Kenneth Branagh is a marketing machine in him to himself. I mean, Samantha Morton is is leading their Burning Girls adaptation, mm-hmm. and as Samantha Morton goes. So Lacey goes. We all know. But. And and there's the Killing Kind, which is actually premiering on Paramount Plus in the UK right now, which is based on the the new based on the the, the recent novel and looks really great. I mean, honestly, like there are so many things that it's got, and I'm just I just want to see Paramount Plus survive long enough so some of these things come over, and it actually. Yeah, I don't know why they're just not. I mean, maybe it's the strikes and that sort of trying trying to. Trying Maybe. to uh, sort of kind of impacting like their scheduling plans, but like I don't, I would have picked at least the gold and something else because I feel like if you look at the gold as an example of this is the kind of British content that will be on Paramount Plus, like a lot of people are going to be like, never mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it, I don't know. I really loved it. I hope that people check it out and love it, and I hope that Paramount Plus manages to get itself together because that's what I want to see. I think I am one of those people who genuinely believes in a lot of competition in our in our business. I hate watching all of these companies fold together. I hate watching these monopolies. Competition is good. <laughs> so that's you know just it, 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 to see these these companies struggle like this really bothers me because they don't have the deep coffers of Apple and Amazon and yeah no I just it bothers me a lot. So, you know, I, I, you know, go Paramount Plus, go. <laughs> I know I'm also rooting for them and not just because I watch a lot of Star Trek, but uh, I hope the gold finds its people. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm one of those people, but I'm sure that that there is a segment of viewers who will love this show for what it is and not for what they wanted it and not and not uh, blame it for not being what they thought it would be. So fingers crossed. I'll try episode three and see if it's better or see if I'm like more into it. I I did like the end of the second episode, but by that point I was like, "Mm, too little, too late. Maybe I did watch that. I watched that montage like four times in a row because it's good to see. Sometimes a really well-placed montage is like super effective. It conveys information. It's snazzy visually. Like, yeah. And try and in and in my recap, like I was like, no, I really need all these details. I need this to slow down and explain it to me so I can get it all. So yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Um, that's our show. Fingers crossed for Paramount Plus, and hopefully they will bring some more British stuff to us sooner rather than later. Something beyond that weird sexy beast thing that I just can already tell you I do not want. <laughs> dude people are gonna think it's the netflix show they really are it's quite unfortunate no i say every time somebody mentions it i immediately think it's the netflix show oh yes absolutely i know it's not and i still think it which is bad by the way and i say that as somebody who watches a lot of netflix reality <laughs> um like a lot just finished the queer marriage or leave ultimatum show like last weekend that was excellent um 
Anyway, before I get a tang- on a tangent about Netflix reality, uh, <laughs> Annie, tell the people where they can find you and let us end this episode. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle basically all over the internet. I am the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web um, writing about television as best I can in the middle of a strike. Uh, yeah. So, uh, if you want to know whatever today, just basically Google me and figure out which, uh, which, which social media I'm favoring right now and, uh, uh follow me there. I know. I know. So helpful. Um, huzzah. <laughs> I am Lacey MB on Twitter and all other social media of note. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about on there these days. It's I, it's just me sharing like anything I wrote recently, like a lot of Good Omens fan art. Uh, welcome to my brand. If you just want the site and the bod, we are on social media at Telly underscore Visions on Twitter and Televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. You can also reach us by email at televisions at weta.org. If you have some thoughts on the gold or Paramount Plus's future that you would like to share, we would like to read them. So I don't know. We are there on the other side of the internet void. Uh, Add cat pictures. Oh, yeah. We also always appreciate your cat pictures. Who sent us the cute picture of Piglet? Oh, 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 oh. I believe they Someone can't. I believe the the, they had their internet. Their, the, they didn't have a name. It was just their uh, It was just their email address. Um, oh. But well, yeah. whoever is Piglet's person, I am obsessed with Piglet. More <laughs> Piglet this tiny pictures. Little, it was this tiny little ginger kitten that just was like, ah, oh, in my heart. We're approaching Baker and Hammer's gotcha day in a month or so, and and somehow they're three, and I don't know how that's happened. So I am now weak against tiny kittens again. Anyway, we're a product of WETA, and if you like what we do, you can visit us at televisions.org to read all of our news, recaps, listicles, Lord knows. We're trying to come up with like some new features and stuff to help fill the gaps during these lean strike times so if you have any suggestions for things we would like to cover see that email i mentioned before if you really like what we do you can click on the donate button that is up top on every page to help us keep making all this great content and in doing so get access to pbs passport which has so many early and exclusive binge opportunities right now you can pretty much finish all of the pbs sunday night shows like today if you wanted to that might be a little aggressive because I, I don't know how many hours are technically left in today, but still, you could. And welcome to fall, guys. I know it's not uh, officially fall for a few more days, but the Capital Weather Gang here in D.C. has officially declared summer over, and that is good enough for me. Goodbye. Get out. I want some, you know, knee boots and sweaters and Starbucks that's not iced. Ha ha. Thanks for listening. As always, we will see you next week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Investigate those new COVID boosters, which I have heard are now available at your local CVS. It is going to be a rough fall with a bunch of horrifying sounding respiratory diseases. So let us protect ourselves and our family and, and get loved a flu ones shot while you're while at we can. Oh, and also a flu shot. There's so many. Just get all the get all the things. Um, <laughs> As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you, and we will see you next week.